It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On our Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Pascal Siakam waiting game seems like it just might continue for the rest of our lives. Plus, Tyler Hero, anybody? And some final summer league thoughts with Assad Alvi of the Pros and Claws Substack. Let's get to it. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, July the 18th, back from a little uh, self-created three-day weekend for myself. Thanks for uh, being patient while not having a show on Monday. I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And, of course, you can go and support the show by uh, going to YouTube and, and hitting the big red subscribe button over there on the video version of the show, which is available for free each and every day. And most importantly, come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. Come hang out. We got like 150 people in there just spiraling about the state of your Toronto Raptors. Come do it among friends in, uh, in the Discord. It's a great time. Would love to see you in there. All right, let's get to it. Our wonderful guest. It's been far too long since he's been on the show. Has not been on the show since we were just an audio only way back in the day. It is, of course, Asad Alvi. You know him as Swar Lasers from Twitter. And he has a new substack, the uh, Pros and Claws substack, where he's talking ball. And there's very few people who I enjoy talking ball with quite like Asad. So, Asad, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. It's going good. Thank you for having me on. I, I love that I get to be right in your room with you. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice intimate experience. We get to talk basketball uh, and just have a good time. So, let's get right into it. 
Let's do it, man. Uh, we're going to get into Tyler Hero as there were some rumblings over the weekend from Mike Scotto over at Hoops Hype that the Raptors might be one of the teams potentially working themselves into the three-team deal that might have to get Damian Lillard to Miami. We'll get into that. We'll talk about some Summer League stuff as Summer League wrapped up over the weekend as well. A nice finish for Grady Dick, 21 points. That's good to see. But uh, let's start with the thing we've been talking about for, it seems like, three weeks. Uh, I think we're on like day 18 of Siaka being one of the trending things on my Twitter. Uh, why am I looking at the trends on Twitter? That's a problem to sort out another time. But uh, Saad, I kind of, when I bring in people onto the show to talk about this stuff, I feel like every person has a different take on what the Raptors should do with Pascal. I feel like I've made my stance pretty clear. I think they should just extend him and try to do something with the Scotty-Pascal duo, which has had some success. We've seen proof of concept in the past. Uh, I know lots of people disagree with that one. That's fine. I'm curious where you're at. Like, What is your sort of uh, you know biggest hope and dream for this Siakam scenario and how it all kind of eventually comes to a conclusion here? Uh, I gotta be honest. My hope with it is like, just, uh, whatever you do, make it make sense. So Mm -hmm. realistically for me, like the Raptors team has been set up in a way where their decisions are more or less like they'll be made as results come true. Right. So like Mm -hmm. they could have ran it back with Fred. That's not going to happen now. So now you're in this new set of flux and you just have your decisions coming up as these contracts are coming up. So Mm -hmm. with Pascal, it's, I think it's, I always thought it was pretty straightforward. You trade them if you're getting something that makes sense for your team. If you're, if you're so sold on Scotty Barnes being good and he's going to be good very soon and he's the next face of your franchise, the guys that are going into his third season going to be going to his fourth season, like whatever that good needs to be, whatever that all star turn is going to be, it's going to be soon. So if you're going to trade Pascal Siakam, you better be getting stuff that'll make you good in like the next. Like this stuff that's going to be on your team in the next two to four year window. Yeah. That's going to go around a Scotty and an OG mm-hmm. uh, because there doesn't seem to be any appetite for a complete teardown. So if the goal is to continue to be competitive winning organization and just maybe resetting yourself to being, okay, maybe this year we're, you know, trying to creep into the playoffs of the Scotty OG led team. Um, and then next season, we're going to try to maybe win around. And then the season after that is when we try to make a bigger run when those guys are 28 and 23, 24, right? If that's the timeline, which, again, the front office probably knows better, you know, how Scotty's doing in the gym, how he's shooting around. They get a closer look at these guys, and they're like, okay, we think that's the new window around them. You have Yaka Pertl sign. Then I can understand why you'd want to maybe trade Pascal Siakam and get stuff in. Mm -hmm. My only thing is I don't understand the timing at all right now. Like, if he's (laughs) on an expiring deal, like, it seems like the worst time leverage-wise to trade him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If especially considering there's uh, noise out there that he doesn't want to resign with anyone he gets traded to, and in fact wants to be in Toronto, that's like kind of nuking the whole trade value as it stands right now. Exactly, and like <clears throat> to even be cold like about it in like an asset sense for players, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, why would you trade the guy before he signed? Like, yeah. if he's going to sign an extension, he's okay with signing an extension, and any team that's going to trade for him is also going to be have to be okay with paying his next deal so you already know that going in then whatever that next deal you give him is not going to change his trade value for the negative mm-hmm. if anything is just going to improve his trade value yeah. uh so trading him now made makes very little sense to me unless you're getting like basically the same package because otherwise you can just extend him and then trade him in six months when 
the time comes would that be mm-hmm. kind of cold would that you know maybe leave a bad <laughs> taste in his mouth maybe you'd have to manage that relationship i don't know if the front office is doing a great job of managing relationships nowadays but that would be something that they would have to do but that's like even if you did want to move off pascal and here's the thing like i personally my personal take is i would like to see it like i would love to see it. pascal mm-hmm. see i can be on the team and i want to see what the team looks like next year let's yep. extend them play it out and if it's still you know seems like it's a middling team either way you move off him if mm-hmm. that's what you need to do to give og ananobi the role that he wants for you to sign him long term i think it's pretty clear that the organization would rather have og ananobi long term if they had to pick between the two just because they believe um in that timeline maybe a little bit more now mm-hmm. that's at least my gut feeling on it so if that's the case like you extend them you see how it plays if both if neither scotty or pascal can shoot to move forward and it's like okay <laughs> neither of these situations is going to change which shouldn't be the viewpoint i think people should have like we should probably hope that scotty becomes a at least a decent three-point shooter you should hope that pascal siakam can you know recover to what he was before his legs died out at the last two months of the season mm-hmm. and was a 34 percent shooter um on such a 45 percent shooter at home jack exactly. uh, <laughs> in the corners he can get the he can hit him so yeah. if that's where you can get to then you're not in as big of a spacing crunch but mm-hmm. if they're both going to be sub 33 percent shooters that's a completely different issue and i think with siakam it's like hey before his legs completely fell apart when march came around mm-hmm. he was outstanding last season yeah when he came back from his groin injury i think uh it's like they played i think near 20 games that he came back from the groin he averaged like 30 games for about uh, 30 minutes for about three games four games and then he just straight played 40 minutes a game <laughs> for the rest of the season <laughs> for the rest of the season but especially for like the next like month and a half and that was the mm-hmm. month and a half where no raptor shooter get a shot we're losing <laughs> at the buzzer to the nets you're losing to orlando like pascal's putting up 30 50 30 30 30 and just putting up obscene numbers where he's going like i think 25 to 28 a night giving you eight rebounds giving you five assists and basically made his all nba or all-star case at that time in that stretch where it was like, hey, I missed some time, but I'm going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, I think there's, if there's any player who gets to make the case of ran out of legs, it's uh, Pascal Siakam. The guy who's led the league in minutes for the last two years? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. Uh, Especially in, like, the high-activity system that they were playing in, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it made no sense that you could be like, oh, no, like, it's not just fatigue. He's just not clutch. It's like, yeah. well, maybe there's a reason why it seems like he doesn't trust his jump shot that requires, you know, a step back and legs after being in minute 38 in the final three minutes of a game. You know, there yeah. might be a reason why he kind of disappears from the offense for a couple for a couple minutes late in the game because, hey, you know what? The guy's probably exhausted uh, yeah. since he's having to – he's the guy you're leaning on to carry your bench lineups with no shooting uh, with, a you know, a team that – effectively didn't end up making sense or have good support for him last season and when and we know what the difference was in the games where guys hit threes suddenly the raptors looked unbeatable the raptors could go hold 12 20 minute stretches and be amazing even in the play-in game against chicago that nobody wants to remember for very good reason (laughs) uh it's like it shouldn't be forgotten that up until like the that final stretch of that game pascal siakam was the best player in that game like he was dominating that chicago game he showed up for that game while other guys did not show up in that game. So I still think Pascal's a very good player. I think he still has the potential to be an all-NBA guy and a a legitimate all-star guy uh, within a role. And that's why, like, I have no problem signing him to an extension if he wants to be here. 
I have no problem with the team trying to go forward with it as well. It is not – it's not like the Raptors are – I think definitely when Fred Lee left, their ceiling for this immediate season got yes. lower. Yes. But I'm not sure if it effectively changed their ceiling over the next three or four years by a significant amount. There, there were definitely still... long-term benefits to not having Fred on the books for the next few years. Like, yeah. there's no doubt about that. So, again, that's that's kind of where I sit with it. Like, unless mm-hmm. you're getting a good offer, there's really no need to make a move. It's not like you are against the clock on Pascal Siakam. Now, on the flip side, if you know that OG Ananobi wants out and that as mm-hmm. soon as he gets free agency, he doesn't want to resign, which, again, that's up to the man- free. Uh, that's up to management to kind of figure out where their players are sitting going into free agency, where they kind of sit. Like, with Fred Van Vliet, Nailed it. <laughs> they, yeah. And again, the thing is, we could never know at what point they knew that they weren't going to get Fred back. They don't know or what level their what level of comfort they had at the end of the day with the Fred Van Vliet thing, which and I'm not even trying to, like, give them credit either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if they have a different valuation of a player going into free agency and they think that their backup plan is, you know, 80 percent of the way there of having that player uh, for the next three years that they're looking at for the team, then, you know, that's, that's their decision to make at the end of the day. So you just kind of say, okay, how does this make sense? Which is kind of how I like to approach front office moves overall is, okay, how does this make sense for the team? And where is the team kind of look going in the next three years? Like, what are they seeing it in? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of how I've, I've tried to make sense of the free agency moves this summer where it's like, okay, maybe what if we see it as Fred Van Vliet didn't walk for nothing, but rather it's like, well, it's Fred Van Vliet or, effectively trading Fred Van Vliet for Dennis Schroeder and um, Jalen McDaniels. Is that better than what we could have gotten last year at the deadline? We wouldn't have used the the MLE or the BAE if we had re-signed Fred. So that's really the swap that you're making. Right. And it's like, okay, well, on the balance of it, what does that look like? And if they've been after Dennis for two, three years, I know that we heard last season that they wanted Dennis as well, and Mm -hmm. he ended up going to the Lakers. So hey, maybe they just value that type of player. Maybe he would be a really good player in a system where there's a lot of cutting and he's off ball. His best years have been when he's played off guard. So maybe playing where he's not the primary point guard uh, Mm -hmm. and you are putting the ball in Scotty's hands, maybe that makes a lot more sense. Maybe Dennis is a really good player for the team as well. Um, And the same with Jalen McDaniels. That's someone you know that they were looking at at the trade deadline. That's someone that's come up before in Raptor rumors. So it's like, okay, I can make sense of it. I can understand that they may still be very much seeing this as a team that they want to win with. And that all makes sense if, again, if the team believes in Scotty Barnes, I can understand why they would be wanting to build as good a team as possible for the next couple of years to be competitive. Because if they believe in Scotty Barnes, you're going to want to build the best team around him. And that means keep as much talent around, in my books at least. No, I'm with you for sure. And and I think, for me, it does come down to a talent thing in that, Siakam's the best player <laughs> and if yeah. you can pair him with Scotty that seems good even though the fit concerns are obviously there and they're more amplified by the fact that Jakob Pertl's on the team now which is a whole other thing um, and you know the thing that you know matters if you do keep Pascal is how do you make the roster speaking of making sense how do you make the roster make sense around those two guys who are not a perfect glove-like fit um, you know, I've posited, do you try to ship OG to get like a couple of players who better fit in that sort of response to extending Pascal? If you are worried about the flight risk, I've pitched the Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel quickly thing a million times. I'll keep on doing it, even though it's never going to happen. Um, but that's the kind of thing I have in mind. They could also, 
uh, get in on a trade for a guy like, I don't know, Tyler Hero. We'll get into that coming up in just a second here and dig into Tyler Hero, the noise from Mike Scotto over at Hoop, Hoop Site, but whether or not that's something the Raptors should be in the business of. We'll do that in a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you, better friends over at Prize Picks who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy. Stop lying to yourself. Season-long fantasy sports stink. They're not fun. It's too much stress. you got to watch the lineups and injuries, and you're worried at all times that uh, you've not set your lineup properly. I know this is me all the time. I get invited into a fantasy baseball league basically every year, and by the end of the first two weeks, I am the person in the league who everyone hates because I don't keep track of my team. Prize picks makes it so you can just pick two to six players on any given night that you want to play, and whether they will get more or less in their prize picks projection in a given stat. And if you win all of those picks, you can get up to 25 times your money back on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you against the projections available. So it's not some shadow expert building a roster you're trying to compete with. And you have uh, pr- prize picks projections available for every single sport under the sun. WNBA is going on right now. You can do that there. You got the MLB, obviously, soccer, uh, the Women's World Cup. It's all there. Go and check out Prize Picks and make your nightly entries if you're a daily fantasy sports head. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You get safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario at the moment. But keep checking back on that. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That means if you deposit 100 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 100 bucks. That is a wonderful deal. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with Prize Picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, Asad Alvi of uh, Yahoo Sports and the Pros and Claws Substack here as we dig more into the waiting game that is the Toronto Raptors offseason. Uh, you know, lots of ridicule going around right now. The Hoop Collective guys, not so sure what's going on with the Raptors. I'm not so sure what's going on with the Raptors. We all feel very confused, uh, incomplete. I mostly just want all of the moves to be done by July 15th so we can all just go and do summer. Um, but this is what we're doing. We're waiting it out. We're, we're watching the clock and uh, hoping that uh, something goes down here. Over the weekend, Assad. Mike Scotto of uh, Hoops Hype noted that the Raptors might be one of the teams in the mix to potentially land Tyler Hero in a three-teamer if, in fact, the Lillard to Heat thing goes down, which feels like it probably will inevitably at some point here. Uh, and it's an interesting one. You know, I think a lot of Raptors fans were a little disappointed a couple years back when they didn't throw their hat in the ring for the Jared Allen of it all, of the James Harden trade. Just kind of, you know, oh, opportunistic. We don't got a center. Let's go get a center type of thing. They didn't do that. This feels like maybe a chance to make good on that with another type of player that they could badly use on this roster. Even though Tyler Hero is not exactly my cup of tea, uh, those who listen to this show know that score-first, defensively-challenged guards are very much not my speed. However, you can't argue that the Raptors could very much use a lot of the stuff Tyler Hero does. Uh, He averaged 3.9 pull-ups a game last season. That is uh, nearly the 4.5 pull-ups that you lost to the former Fred Van Vliet that I feel like you got a money ball somehow and put together enough pull-up shooting to sort of 
make up for that loss. Obviously, he's a dead-eye three-point shooter, both on pull-ups and on catch-and-shoots. Finished 39% last year. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of playmaking to his game. He's not much of a scorer at the rim. He can get there a little bit, but not really. Um, you know, he's not a perfect player by any means. The defense is what it is. But Assad, Tyler Hero, as someone the Raptors could pry for... I don't know, one outgoing piece and, you know, some kind of, I guess there'd be multiple pieces between Thad and Boucher's contracts likely headed out the door to match salaries. But, um, you know, maybe like a future protected first is what it takes to get it done. Is Tyler Hero someone you'd be interested in seeing the Raptors opportunistically grab if, in fact, he's available in that three-teamer? Um. Honestly, I'm either against or for Tyler Hero. It's just like, it's a very, like, the thing is, like, his salary at $30 million a year on average is just, like, it's the perfect price for him where it's just, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, it's that line. Yes. It's very much at the line where it's like, oh, man, I really don't know if I want to do it. I think as a player, like, he's he's fine. I think he's definitely a player who can help the team. Mm-hmm. But what role is he? Is he going to be in a role where he's featured enough to be worth $30 million or – do you need somebody that's just effectively another Gary Trent mm-hmm. uh, in more of a Gary Trent style role for $25 million or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Again, I don't really care about the money overall, but I know the front office definitely does. My issue with Tyler Hero, I think, and I, I wanted to get a little bit more context, so I asked some Heat friends uh, who you know watch every game to mm-hmm. get a sense of well, what, what were the issues, what were the pain points with Tyler over the last two seasons. And one of the pain points that kind of kept up was that he – yeah, he was great in DHO with Bam, and they can make things work. But he did need to to be effective. He needed to get the ball in his hands more, and he struggled playing off ball when Kyle Lowry had the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Now, those are troubling things to kind of hear when if you're bringing in a Tyler Hero, and again, if we're going to encompass this, and you're bringing in a Tyler Hero, you're still listening to Pascal Siakam trades, and you think that he might be out the door um, in six months or a year, whenever you do trade him, then the core of your team kind of going forward, where you're Putting the hand, putting the ball in people's hands is Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Tyler Hero, and mm-hmm. you know if OG Ananobi does want more touches, is you know bringing in Tyler Hero where he's most effective with the ball in his hands. Work in that mix if Scotty Barnes also needs the ball in his hands, and Scotty Barnes is going to be a, your main creator. I don't think he, I don't think he's necessarily as good at those things like elite, elite wise. That it's a slam dunk of a move. I'm never against more shooting. I could see it being like if the price was low enough, you could do mm-hmm. it, right? Like if it's yeah. literally just hey Boucher Thad, um, some other junk salary, yeah. Yeah. and you dump in like a protected pick way down the line, right? Mm-hmm. At most, like I wouldn't do a first. Like I, I would. It would have to be close to a fake first yeah. for it to happen. The only reason I don't see it happening is they need a legitimate first to put in that deal for Damian Lillard to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So unless like Portland's price changes significantly and if Portland's price is changing like that, then I think there's other questions to be had than, Hey, can we get Tyler hero? And more like, how are like, if we're trying to compete, why is a Damian Lillard trade so out of the question for this team? Um, Speaking even language, if you are dude. believing it. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're, and here's the thing, I think um, Michael Pina put it out, you know, the, a package which is like Scotty, a ton of salaries going out, mm-hmm. right? I say forget that part of it. That That's an obvious route, of course. Mm-hmm. The Raptors have always been a team that likes to hedge their bets and go middle. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, well, if you believe in Scotty Barnes being good and you truly believe he's going to be an all-star player in a year or two, right? That's what you're making all your franchise decisions around. Then you go get a Damian Lillard. And if Pascal Siakam is the guy you want to trade, then what if all the Pascal noise is them trying to gauge what assets they can get from a third team to tack on in a deal for Damian Lillard? Because you can you can trade future first the Raptors have if you still have Scotty Barnes on the team. Mm-hmm. You can't really trade future first if you're trading Scotty Barnes. So if yeah. you're keeping Scotty Barnes, you can trade some future first. If you're moving Pascal Siakam, you can get the assets and salary needed that better match for uh, Portland. Portland right. wants doesn't want any guards, so you can't get them any guards. The biggest issue with the Portland-Miami deal isn't that they don't rate Tyler Hero <laughs> or that Tyler Hero is a guard. They, they have a million guards. So if you can go package something around a ton of picks and DeAndre Hunter was a forward uh, and then salary cap relief for a team like Portland. Maybe that makes more sense for them, right? And now mm-hmm. I, I know it's separate from the Tyler Hero discussion, but it's like I think that those are more interesting routes where it's like, hey, and the whole thesis around the Scotty Barnes, Damian Lillard build is, hey, if Damian Lillard is in as great shape as he is and he's mm-hmm. as elite of a shooter as he is, moving around, off ball, a great movement shooter, does a Dame and Scotty team look a lot like, say, you know, like a bizarro version of like a Steph Draymond type core? Right. right where you right. have this big playmaking wing who's making all your decisions, making all your moves. And then you have this, you know, elite shooting point guard that can range out to like 40, who's ready to win now and carry your offense that can basically be activated by being around a bunch of screeners, being around probably the best defenders of his career because I've never thought that my read on the front office has been, they never want to make a trade where they're trading down. It's not something that they do historically. So if they're going to trade Pascal Siakam, I would expect them to be bringing in better talent. Right. So if there's a way to do that, then I think that that would be the route that I would, I would most likely see. I'm not saying this is based on anything, but again, like if we're talking about Tyler hero rumors, uh, in like you know the third paragraph of aim uh, higher, yeah, a summer article. <laughs> I think we can aim higher with what rumors we want to play with, and that's the rumor that I'm putting out there from my brain. It's not not sourced Ooh. by any means, but that's the one the, that the the sickos in the lockdown Raptors Discord are going to have a great time with this one. Uh, and look, I've been fixated on the concept of pairing Dame and Pascal, but. Dame plus, like, if you can find a way to finagle it, that it's Dame plus Gary, OG, Scotty, Pirtle, you might be cooking with something there. I don't think it has maybe, like, the instant, you know, top of the East contention quality necessarily that, a, like, a Dame-Pascal team would have. But I And the reason it doesn't. And the yeah. reason it doesn't is because it's just like, well, is Scotty ready yet? And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. what if he is? Like, what if next, yeah, what if, like, next year it's just... And then yeah. it's just like, well he would look great next to Dame right now. Like if Scotty's mm-hmm. an all-star and even if he's not like the all-star, like a LeBron type all-star or like a Giannis type all-star, but he's mm-hmm. more like a Bam type all-star, right? Like sure. in the way Bam plays and he's like a DHO monster. Then it's like, oh, well, no, Damian Little would be a great pair for this guy right now. Yeah. Like an incredible We know pair. that Scotty's also like incredible on the short roll. That's where he's probably best right now. I'm interested, man. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to, uh, I, you know, I'd like to credit myself with uh, beginning the Dame for Scotty discourse like three weeks ago on the show. And, and you know, it's just it took a while for a Palpina to catch on. 
we we can credit you with the Siakam four Dame three teamer situation uh, beginning right here and now on Tuesday, July the eighteenth here on Lockdown Raptors. This is very exciting. Uh, sad, we're gonna go, we're gonna go back to the other side. We're gonna get into summer league thoughts. That's over. Uh, mercifully, uh, <laughs> it was not the most thrilling summer league uh, odyssey for your Toronto Raptors this year. We'll get into our final thoughts though. I want to know what you're thinking about Grady Dick because uh, I'm pretty intrigued, even though his handle is akin to mine. And uh, we'll get into all of that coming up in just a second. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, go check out Locked on Leafs, your uh, favorite Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. Uh, you talk about the Leafs having trade limbo. The, the Raptors having trade limbo. The Leafs are very much in the same position with William Nylander right now. So go check out Locked on Leafs. Mike and Dave doing a great job breaking down all the stuff uh, that you got to know, what's important, what's noise, what's not. And uh, go check out Locked on Leafs. Don't forget your podcast and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we rounded out here. Asad Alvi of Pros and Claws on Substack. He sees work on Yahoo Sports, banter pods with Will Liu, uh, all the good stuff. I guess there were many banter pods last year, huh? Pretty grim scene we, overall for the banter yeah, scene. Yeah, so... <laughs> We, you, it's hard to slander anybody when you don't win. I think we yep. made a rule for the slander pods. Like we'll only do it when the Raptors are over 500. Yeah, um, before it used sense. to be, they had to be over 500 and it had to be a good rival team that they beat. Mm-hmm. Last season, I was like, okay, if they can just beat the Bucks to get to 500 in this game, maybe we do one. <laughs> that was the closest we got. We're like, all right, we're, we're on deck. We're ready to go. And then, you know, Giannis kicks it out to the corner and we lose. Like that was, that one was ripe to be mm-hmm. one. Didn't happen. So we legitimately did not have one last season. It was quite, it was quite depressing. What an absolute travesty for the Raptors content game. Hopefully, be some this year. It might be a while till there are slander pods regularly again. We'll see. Uh, Summer league. Let's get into the final thoughts here. The Raptors. Did they beat the Warriors in the last game? It was the battle of the 0-4 teams. It was like the 31st place consolation game or whatever the hell. Uh, Really grim stuff. But. Grady Dick had himself a nice performance. Marquise Noel had himself a nice little bounce back as well over the last couple summer league games. Uh, frankly, kind of the only two dudes of note, I'd argue, on these summer league squads. Ron Harper Jr. Maybe Joe Wieskamp, of course, waved yesterday. We can get into that a little bit. Um, any sort of lingering takeaways from summer league that you've kind of you want to get out in the world there, Azad? Uh, my lingering take from summer league is, oof, I I. <laughs> yikes um it, it's tough it's <laughs> tough to really come up with lingering things like that raptors summer league team was so like bereft of talent mm-hmm. where like even for like sickos that want to watch summer league and want to enjoy it it was tough to even like really really get into it because the basketball was really rough at times mm-hmm. uh they really missed jeff down jr they obviously missed christian coloco just Basically, having the spine two, of their team uh, yeah, would have made them a lot better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they didn't really have a point guard to organize them. It was really just, hey, if Marquise Noel's in the game, they have a point guard who can, you know, organize the team and let Grady play off ball. Otherwise, hey, Grady, be an on-ball creator. We know you're not like a shooting guard or a point guard, <laughs> but uh, do it. <laughs> uh, and also, there's no shooting around you. So welcome to the Raptors. Uh, but I think the interesting things that we saw in Summer League, like I don't. I'll be honest, I, uh, I 
on the Substack. I did notes for the first two games, which I already put out last week. Uh, there wasn't, I think, more or less covered 80% of what I took away from the Summer League anyways. I'm going to have an update to that later this week. Probably some mm-hmm. video on Grady Dick as well. But Grady Dick, I think what he really showed in Summer League for anyone who you know had better things to do with their week and their summer with the great weather is his stamina might not be there right now. But for like three to four minutes, he can really be devastating as a movement shooter. The guy knows how to cut. He knows how to move. He knows how to go back door. He knows how to find his gaps and his spots to get free in the offense without the ball. And he is a pain to track off ball for -hmm. defenders and coming off of screens. And he can get his shot off very quickly. He may not have like the high-end athleticism. I don't think we saw him make a transition layup where he actually had to, you know, dribble the ball. (laughs) Uh, I think the only time he really finished in transition or at the rim was off of a cut where he was catching and then making a play to finish. Nothing self-created really. Um, That almost always had to be a floater or he's getting blocked, Mm -hmm. which is perfectly fine because he very much looks all of 19 years old in terms of his body. I think as he fills out, as he gets stronger over the next year or two, he can be a really devastating player. Uh, there's no reason. I think one of the things I wanted to see was, can he be the type of player like an elite, elite, elite movement shooter in the likes of like a J.J. Redick or a Kyle Korver? Uh, even that, because at the minimum, he's an elite role player. That That's his archetype that you'd be feeling, yeah. right? So I think I saw tons of that. Like he was able to, for like he took over games for three, four minute stretches without even having to really dribble the ball too much. Yeah which is just impressive because in summer league you're so especially in that role you're so reliant on the other players around you to be on a team that was so bereft of talent and still be able to like run off like 10 12 points in a quarter multiple times in those final few summer league games that was all very impressive for me on the gray dick side of things so i was i enjoyed it uh he definitely gets a shot up quickly and you know as he gets stronger in his core and his legs and is able to move for you know six minute stretches rather than three minute stretches I think he can be a pretty dominating force. And I think he's actually shown it at the minimum. Like, obviously, we're going to have to test again at preseason. But I think he showed enough to be like, hey, on the offensive end, I can be a contributor right away off the bench at least. Yeah. And that's something that is very intriguing. He's a very smart off-ball player. And if the Raptors are, you know, moving to a system that's going to be Scotty at the top of the key, Jakob at the top of the key, um, playmaking, and their wings and their guards kind of cutting off of that, he seems to be perfect for that type of system. Uh, so yeah. that was the 1,000% biggest takeaway I took from Summer League. Um, yeah, the, the fact that he was – <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no one else to really like, – I don't have Moses Brown takes. He's tall. Uh, that's my big takeaway on Moses Brown. Um, with Grady, I, I think, yeah, the fact that he was able to get loose a- against defenses that – you know, obviously it's summer league defense, so it's not great. But um, you know, defenses that didn't have anyone else to really worry about, and that, and offensive players next to him who maybe weren't the most adept at finding the devastating off-ball player, and he was still able to get loose and have his pockets of games where he took over. That I feel like is gonna it's gonna bode well when he's playing with better players, right? Like, and I think any lineup. You think about so many of the lineup constructions the last couple of years, and just like Precious and Boucher and Pascal, and like just so sticky and so cramped and there's just dudes waiting in the paint for any potential driver 
having one extra defender worried about Grady Dick and having to track his movements all around and move with him on 45 cuts and all this stuff, like that's going to open up little pockets that just weren't there. Are they going to be big enough pockets to turn this into a, a, an upper crust half court offense? Probably not, but uh, I think it's going to be enough to just sort of make things a little bit easier for the ball handlers on this team, which has been a thing that's been not really existent the last couple of years. Um, and probably yeah. the most impressive game that he had, which I think, and it might not be his most impressive game, but at least to me was like that Detroit game against yeah. Star Thompson because he started that game off and Osar was eating his lunch. I think yeah. he blocked him Just or like stole the ball from twice the, first the three athlete. Or four you could see it, yeah. <laughs> and then Grady adjusted. He's like, "All right, let me adjust." And after the first three or four minute stretch, suddenly you see him. He's like, "All right, I'm going to find a way to score," and rips off like 11 points. I think in that second quarter or something like that, mm-hmm. or I think he had like 18 at half. And I was like, that is really impressive because that guy had him completely stifled. And you could see him adjust to that physicality and the athleticism and still find ways to score and take over that game. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's really impressive. That's awesome to see. Because really the worry is at the next level, can he deal with, you know, like just higher level athletes? Than mm-hmm. him? And at least in that moment, he showed it with one of the most athletic dudes in the draft. So I mean, the Thompson twins might walk into the league <laughs> as like two of the 10 most athletic players in the NBA. So it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think also just to, before like obviously Grady off all cutter shooter, we don't know all that. One thing that was really, that really stood out to me was just how good he is with his hands. Like mm-hmm. this guy got his hand on so many balls, whether like, you know, good ball handler on the defensive end in terms of, you know, he's able to stick it in there and, you know, knock one away here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a fair number of steals across summer league, tons of deflections, was constantly in passing lanes. And then also on the offensive end, just outside of the shooting, he showed quite a bit of ability to make quick passes and quick passing reads while in motion. So like yeah. so catching the ball and cut, take one dribble, and then hit the baseline cutter, uh, get it to the corner. Uh, really, really smart reads, passing the ball defensively, on-ball defense is going to be what it's going to be. We're just going to have to see it go. The screen mm-hmm. navigation definitely was not great. Uh, <laughs> I will say screen navigation is tough when, you know, your backline defenders might not be the best at calling screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Moses Brown. But uh, <laughs> really, uh, he, he did enough uh, activity-wise that I, I, I came away from Summer League pretty impressed with Grady Dick. I, I'm positive yeah. on the pick. Yeah, feeling pretty good overall about Grady Dick. Uh, you know, handle notwithstanding, that'll take some time. It'll come around, I'm sure, but uh, everything else feels pretty good. Not so bad for his first tour in a Raptors jersey. We're going to wrap it there. Asad, thank you so much for hanging out, man. This was lovely to have you. Great to have you on, and we will not let it go two years without you being on the show again, I promise, as long as you're all right coming back. Uh, in the meantime, got anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Uh, yeah, we just launched the Pros and Claws Substack. Um, it's myself and Iman Adan, uh, Iman Adan of uh, Twitter fame, of Seattle yeah, Sports Canada, of Basketball of News. Kyle Lowry Appreciation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great. Uh, definitely riding her coattails on this one. But we were doing content. We're doing uh, Raptors posting. We're doing NBA posting. She has a piece coming out on Dame Lillard and just on the concept of trade leverage in the NBA. Um as well as some other pieces. And that also goes with, we're doing YouTube. We're going to be doing video breakdowns and trying to make content that's easier to consume, uh, easy to understand. So even if you're new to the game, new to the team, you just want to understand it a little bit better. Uh, The goal is, 
you know, you take something away every time. So the next time you watch the team, you're like, oh, that's something I noticed or remember. Oh, Jalen McDaniels has a great offensive rebound rate. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, he's he actually runs into the paint a lot when the shots go up. It stuff like that. So we I did a piece last week on summer league notes, which kind of expands on the roster and talks about kind of what takeaways you can take, what they need to prove on, so on and forth, as well as a full breakdown on the new acquisition Jalen McDaniels. I have another one coming on Dennis Schroeder and how I think both those players can fit in, what their roles can be. And kind of going over key stats and contextualizing it in a way of, well, what are we going to see on the court? What's it going to kind of look like uh, in a nice, easy to read fashion? So definitely, you know, shoot us a subscribe if you can on Substack. Uh, we have a, we're trying to build a pretty friendly and active community there. It's all free. Uh, so just go over, check us out. It's pros and claws, claws, C L A W S uh, dot Substack.com. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Lasers and, here and there on Yahoo Sports Canada's YouTube page. So Hell thank yeah. you for having me on, Sean. Honestly, of course, uh, man. I love being on here. It was a blast to have you. It's uh, I always love talking ball with you because you know ball. Uh, Shaq Milton, as I uh, refer to you as uh, the, the 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 Milton Shaquille O'Neal, just tearing up rec centers around town. Uh, you know ball as well as anybody. So thanks for lending your thoughts to the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. Big V will be along as we'll uh, continue Pascal Siakam watch or whatever the hell it is we're doing now. Um, by the way, ranking every Raptor will be back next week as well as I am sick of the offseason grind and the rumors. So I'm just going to dive myself back into ranking old Raptors and watch out for all of the, the hot uh, Rafer Alston takes coming your way very, very soon. Still on the YouTube channel exclusively. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. Thank you so much. Go subscribe to the uh, Pros and Claws Substack. The link will be in the description of the podcast. You can go check that out. You can also go to the Discord. Jump in our Lockdown Raptors Discord. Also free. Also a friendly place to talk about ball. Uh, as I feel like we're all migrating away from the hell pit that is basketball Twitter these days. And I think that's a good thing for all of our brains. Um, but we'll uh, leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thank you for hanging and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 